Well, good morning again, church. Hey, why don't you go ahead and get out your bulletin again that you received on the way in. Again, I want to just direct your attention to a couple of really quick announcements. Uh, first of all, um, our church is having a backpack drive. And so we want you, as you're out, maybe, I know it's probably not time to start thinking about school yet. Sorry, kids, but start thinking about school. Uh, while you're out, grab a backpack, and we want to bless some local schools in this community, children who are in need, families who are in need. Um, so get those, bring them off. We'll be collecting them out on our main lobby over the next few weeks up until August 14th. And then our new spiritual formation class begins in just a couple of weeks called Kingdom Marriage. And again, I want to challenge you whether you've been married now for 50 years, or whether you've been married for a minute. And you know what? I, I even want to challenge you too. Look, even if, even if you're not married yet or want to be married again, like there's such good resources in here to help prepare you for marriage that would even challenge you to sign up for this class as well. But that begins on July 13th. That'll be coming up really soon. And, of course, Wave Camp is in a couple of weeks right here at Chesapeake. That is for elementary age students or even rising sixth graders. It's going to be such an incredible time. Pastor Aaron and then the a team has been working on that. And it's going to be a great time for students and um, for kids. So sign up for that if you haven't yet. Sign up your, your kids, um, your family's kids, your neighbor's kids, your cousin's kids. Hey, if you're at a store this week and you see some kids, sign them up. Like, it really is for any kid um, in the neighborhood, in the community as well. All right, I have a picture I wanted to show you. I want to know if anybody can identify what this set of books is. Does anybody know what that is? Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, how many of you guys had a set of this in your home growing up? How many of you guys still have a set of this in your home? Wow, Richard, oh my gosh. My parents still have a set in their home as well. Uh, back probably in the 80s, in the 90s, like this was probably the number one source of information. If you're going to be writing a report for school, you didn't have Google back then, you didn't have Wikipedia, you had the Encyclopedia Britannica. So you would go there, find the, the word that you're looking for, the topic you're looking for, and you would literally take that information, put it into your paper, and turn it in. Okay, it was a number one source of information. Now, does anybody know what this device is right here? Anybody know what this device is right here? What is that? Yeah, it's one of those Alexas. And in fact, if you're home right now, you're watching this, Alexa, turn off the air conditioning. Hopefully you heard that, if you can hear that online. But, I, you know, a lot of people have put these devices in their home now. And this, this has become one of the primary sources of information. Simply by asking a question, you can get almost any information that you need by simply saying, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, you can get the information that you're looking for. We live in the information age. We don't wait for the latest Encyclopedia Britannica to come out anymore, but right now, literally at our fingertips, we can get any information that we need. But because that information is so easily accessible, because we can get almost any information that we need, does that really make for better living or even better thinking? See, with all the information out there, we need to properly process the information. You know, last week we talked about how the way we talk, what comes out of our mouth, it matters. Your words are powerful. And this week we're going to be talking about the way that you learn 
The information that you're taking in, how you're processing that information matters. But how you properly apply it, that is very powerful in your life. Church, where do you get your wisdom from? With so many sources of information and disinformation, you need a primary source to filter everything else. Now, spoiler alert, it's the word of God. It's the word of God. Our primary source that we use to filter every other source should be the Bible. Does anyone know what book of the Bible we've been studying over the past couple of weeks? Anybody know what book we've been in the past few weeks? Anybody? James, all right. You guys get an A plus today. Everyone gets a Chick-fil-A gift card. Just kidding. That's still just for first-time guests, okay? We've been in the book of James. And church, this is living and active. God's word is living and active, which means that it is breathed out by the Holy Spirit, which means that what we're reading today, even though it was written 2,000 years ago, is still relevant for today. In fact, what we're going to read today in James is not going to be outdated like the Encyclopedia Britannica was where it had a shelf life of maybe just a couple years, and you went to look at that information, there's already an update available at the point when it was printed. Even though we're going to read today, it was printed 2,000, or it was put down 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years from now, it's still going to be relevant. It's still going to be on time. It's still going to be right for the people who are reading if Jesus doesn't come back, because this is the word of God. You need a primary source of information to filter through all your other information. In fact, we've covered so much through the book of James. And and as we've been going through this, even though I've read it many, many times, I wanted to share with you just for a moment what what has been living and active for me. Even though I've read these passages in James, even though I've taught through them, man, there's been one passage that keeps coming back to in my mind. And it's James chapter 1, verse 16. Where James says, look, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This has been the crux of our series as we've been going through this. Look, look, James says, do not be deceived. Because right now, we can be deceived. Whether it's from the media Uh, whether it's from the news, whether it's even from a trusted friend, whether it's even from a mantra that's been pushed in culture, like just you be you, you do you, you speak your truth. Um, Maybe that's true for you, but it's not true for me. You speak your truth. You live the way that you want to live. Just be happy. All you got to do is believe in yourself. And we can hear all these mantras right now in culture, but what they're really doing is deceiving us. And James says, look, do not be deceived. And he, he says to this church, he says, look, my beloved brothers. And he says, he says it because he's talking about every single person in the church. And I love how James so many times takes an opportunity to remind this church that they are beloved. And church, I just want to remind you one more time that God loves you. No matter who you are, no matter your race, age, or stage, No matter your economic status, God loves you. No matter what you were doing last night, even if you had to stumble into this building this morning, no matter who you are, God had this incredible love for you. 
But you know what? This church has an incredible love for you as well. We love you because God loves you. And James takes a moment to say, look, man, you, you are dearly loved, church, by God, and you are dearly loved by the people in this church. Even when we don't get it right, you are dearly loved. And I love how he goes on to say, look, he's telling this church that there's no partiality in that, okay? No matter who you are, God loves you. And he's saying, look, God wants to give you these good gifts. This heavenly father gives you these good and perfect gifts even during trials, even when you get through temptation, even in suffering, the blessing, the happiness, the joy comes in perseverance and a faith that's intact. But here's the kicker that I just can't seem to, seem to move away from or escape in this mini sermon that's coming before the real sermon. Now, just so you know, okay, this is not the sermon. This is the appetizer before the main course, okay? But here's the thing that James says that I can't escape as we keep going through this series. He says, look, this is the father of lights. He says there is no, which means there's none, zero variation in him. There is zero change. No matter how you look at God, no matter how you look at Christ, there is no change, no sin, no shifting of characters, no lies in him. Just truth, just grace, just justice, just mercy, just love. That never changes. And I'm telling you, this world, in this world, this fast and vast moving information and disinformation, you need somebody with no variation. You need someone that you're going to filter all of this other information through. And today, James is going to challenge the church after helping them see what a teacher could be and what a teacher should be. But also teaching the church what comes out of your mouth matters. After teaching them things, he wants them to see this is the way you filter the information but also live it out in wisdom. James chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Listen to what James writes here. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, even demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray together. Father, again, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, this is wisdom from above. And I pray today, God, as we look at your word that is God-breathed, that is on time for us today. God, we have so much information in our world always coming at us. God, we have so much disinformation in our world always coming at us. God, I pray that you would help us to see the truth. I keep thinking about what you said, Jesus, when you said that it is a truth that will set people free. 
Lord, I keep thinking about how in you there is no variation. There's no change. God, we need somebody with no variation to help us filter our information. So again, Lord, this morning, there's anything in us that we believe that is apart from you. Help us, Lord, to see it. Lord, would you change it in us? Lord, grow us today. Help us, Lord, to live according to your will and your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, week one, we talked about the definition of authentic. And authentic simply means worthy of acceptance or belief. Not false or an imitation, but real. And James is reminding this church so many times, look, this is how you really live. And right now, to be able to really live, to live authentically, we need a filter system to filter out all the other information. And even to filter out the lies that we believe, whether it's from culture or even from within. So just like we've done so many weeks, I want to start with a lie that we often believe. And here's the lie that I think we often believe when it comes to this passage today. The lie that we often believe is that wisdom from the world or wisdom from within is primary. Wisdom from the world or wisdom from within is our first and best source of information. Now, I know what you might be saying out there. You're sitting out in these rows today, again, maybe watching online. And maybe you're saying right now, Andrew, I've been walking with Jesus now for many years. I do not believe that. I don't believe that wisdom from the world should be the first and foremost thing that I look at or look to or trust in or believe in or live my life by. I don't believe that is primary. I don't believe even my own wisdom apart from God is the way that I should live my life. I don't believe that at all. Who believes that? Let me ask it to you this way. When it comes to making decisions in your life, when you're at a moment of crisis in your life, when there is a choice that you need to make, a direction that you need to go, at what point do you bring God into the equation? Because so many times in life, he ends up being one of the last sources that we end up looking toward. I mentioned that we have one of those Alexas in our home. And again, I know, I mean, it's, it's our fault. We put the, the creepy talking robot lady in our home. But one of the things that, that bothers me a little bit is when our kids, again, I, I, I know this may come as a shock to some of you, okay? Maybe not Pastor Brian. It's not going to come as a shock to you. But I am not the smartest person in the world, Okay. I'm not the smartest, somebody laughed way too hard at that. I don't know who it was, but it's like this section. Look, I, I know I'm not even the smartest person in this church. I'm not even the smartest person that was sitting on the front row, front row up here before I got up here to preach. But I know some things. And whenever my, my kids have a question, I would love it if they primarily came to me. Want to know what they've been primarily going to? Alexa. Now, yesterday even... We were, after our family devotionals were over, yesterday morning, uh, my youngest son, he, uh, our oldest son is getting ready to have a birthday on July 24th, and our youngest son, his name is Lucas, he was like, I wonder how many days it is to your birthday, Noah. And of course, dad knows, okay? Dad knows when his birthday is. Dad can do simple math. It's 22 days to his birthday. So he was like, I wonder how many days it is to your birthday, Noah. And I was like, 22 days. He turns away from me. 
looks toward Alexa and says, Alexa, how many days until July 24th? And I said, 22 days. And he's like, Alexa, how many days until July 24th? It's like he was ignoring me, making his primary source of information this device. Sometimes I wonder if God feels the same way. When we have a decision to make, again, when do we bring him into the equation? Because for some of us, it's after we've already asked all of our friends. For some of us, it's after we've already done some type of survey on TikTok or Facebook. For some of us, we even ask strangers before we ask God. For some of us, when we're we're thinking about getting into a dating relationship, or whether the relationship should continue. We'll ask our friends or social media. You may even ask your dog, Fluffy, do you like this person? And if their tail is wagging just right, you may continue on in the relationship. When it comes to your job, whether you need to continue in it or look for something different, again, at what point do you bring God into the equation? Because again, sometimes we ask so many other people, so many other things, and then we finally think, okay, well, maybe now I should pray about it. But have you ever thought about that's even how the world operates? Like when a crisis happens, the world will debate things so many times with each other, get angry at each other, and then when it's at its boiling point, somebody might say, well, let's give some thoughts and prayers out there. And again, we can believe the lie. That wisdom from the world or wisdom from within is primary. And we may not say that out loud, but we need to check and see at what point. Look, when it comes to how we want to live, when are we bringing this God into the equation? Do you know how powerful prayer is? And so many times, even as a church, we say, you know, well, all we can do now is pray. When, when we hear that, the first thing we should do is to pray. It should be the very first step that we take. And see, I think we can believe that so many times. That's why I'm so glad that James brings in the truth, okay? He brings in the truth. Listen to what he says here. Like, this is the truth. He lets the church know that wisdom from the world, even though people will treat it as primary, wisdom from the world, wisdom from people is actually polluted. Listen to what he says here in verse 14. He says, if you have bitter jealousy... And selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it is earthly, it is unspiritual, it is even demonic. Again, church, don't believe the lie. James is talking about bitterness and jealousy and this selfish ambition that can exist in the hearts of people. Now, sometimes, I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed that sometimes it seems like people who are self-promoting are the people who are oftentimes the most promoted? Or people with these platforms that they promote themselves end up having some of the biggest platforms or even the most amount of power. And James is warning the readers here that people who live out and promote themselves in this way, promote this type of wisdom, it's actually selfish wisdom that is centered in sin. Look, he says it is earthly, it is unspiritual, it is demonic. And he said this type of wisdom, it's leading somewhere. He says in verse 16, he says, look, for where jealousy 
and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. This is the type of wisdom that's leading to disorder and it's leading to more sin being propagated, whether it's in our home or in the culture. But see, James right here, you know, sometimes I think as, as, as he says like this strong language, especially from last week and then even this week, sometimes I think, look, James, you need to calm down and take a chill pill, okay? Like this is such weighty language that he's using, but he's using this because he doesn't want the church to miss it. And he doesn't want us to miss it as well. Because if we are looking toward people whose wisdom is apart from God, then what we're actually doing is bringing in more pollution into our lives. One of the biggest problems in accepting things that are purely man-centered is that we don't realize how much it actually comes from a sinful place, which is the human heart. And there's always this taint of sin from within the heart of people. In fact, even our best intentions, our best advice, apart from God, leads to wicked behavior. And that's why he says in verse 17, he says, but. Now, pause right there for a moment. Now, I, I, was, I was taught this in seminary and been reminded of this quite a bit, that when you see a therefore in Scripture or you see a but in Scripture, it is important to pay attention to what's happening in the passage. In fact, a lot of times an author in scripture will say, okay, I've said all these things, therefore you need to live out this way. I've said all these things, but don't miss this. This is really important because so many people get it wrong. And look, James is saying, look, yes, wisdom from within, wisdom from pe people, yes, it is polluted. Yes, it does lead to more and more wicked behavior when it's completely apart from Christ. Yes, it is self, it's, it's all about people promoting themselves. Yes, it is wicked, it is disorderly, but he says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. It is gentle, it is open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, it is impartial, it is sincere. See, the wisdom from God, the truth is, his wisdom is perfect and it is progressive. His wisdom is perfect and it is progressive. Now, let me just clarify both of those statements for a moment, okay? Yes, God's wisdom, this wisdom from above is perfect. Remember, it comes from the Father of lights where there is no change in him, no variation, no shifting of opinions or ideas. This is the wisdom from above. This is from the God who knows everything. In fact, a theological term that we like to use when we talk about the fact that God knows everything is the word omniscience. God is omniscient which means that there is nothing that he doesn't know, that he knows every possible thing in the universe. But not only that, he knows every possible outcome of every possible circumstance. How many of you guys have seen the movie The Avengers? Have you seen the movie The Avengers? How many of you guys have seen the, the second to last one, The Infinity Wars? You've seen that? Okay, so in that movie... In that movie, there's a scene in the Avengers Infinity Wars where they're trying to figure out how they're going to defeat Thanos. And Doctor Strange has this moment where he's trying to look into the future and see every possible outcome. 
and he says, you know what, I have, I've seen 30 million different outcomes. There's only one where we win. Now, spoiler alert, Iron Man dies, okay, and the next one after that. Hey, it's not my fault. You should have seen it already, all right? But in the movie, like, Dr. Strange has this moment where it's almost like he has to, like, kind of buffer up and he's trying to process all this information. Let me just say, that's a, that's a fictional illustration. But with God, it is no effort for him to know every single possible situation or every single outcome of everything in your life. Look, he knows the past. He knows the future. He knows every single angle of the choices that you're going to make today. God is omniscient. He knows everything. Man, all throughout Scripture, Scripture paints this idea, like in 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 through, through 20, where it says, Look, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Again, even John right here is pointing to this wisdom that comes from above. This wisdom that is perfect from the one who knows everything because he knows everything. In Job chapter 37, one of Job's friends is talking to him. He says, look, do you know the, the balancing of the clouds, Job? He says the wondrous works of him, talking about God, who is perfect in knowledge. And then the prophet Isaiah would record the words of the Lord where the Lord says, look, remember the former things of old. For I am God, there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Look, from the end to the beginning, God knows everything. He is perfect in knowledge. He is perfect in his wisdom. This is the wisdom that is pure. Theologian and author, Dr. Wayne Grudem, he says it this way. He says, a Christian who takes the Bible as God's word escapes from philosophical skepticism about the possibility of attaining certain knowledge with our finite minds. God who is omniscient, all-knowing, has absolute certain knowledge. There could never be any fact that he does not already know. No fact can ever turn up or contradict the truth spoken by this one who is omniscient. This is the wisdom from God, the wisdom that is perfect. There is brokenness in knowledge that is apart from God. But see, our primary filter, it needs to be him. God sees and knows everything and everyone from every single angle. There's nothing that he doesn't know. There's nothing that he doesn't see. Because there is no sinfulness in him or evil in him, his wisdom is perfect and it can be trusted. James is also showing the church in Jerusalem that this wisdom from God, it is also progress. But see, it's progress for us. He says, look, this wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. There's movement in this. There's progress in this. He says it's peaceable, then gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Again, this is the push for the progress in our faith that James keeps repeating all throughout this letter. That if you've trusted Christ 
And if you continue to trust in him, then there should be evidence. There should be evidence that there is a change in us. And James gives us almost as many version of the fruit of the spirit here and points to the evidence that if you're seeking godly wisdom and living it out, there should be this progress in your faith. Again, he says, look, this is pure, which means it is from above. This is where it begins. It is undefiled, seeking wisdom from God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. He says, then it is peaceable. Now, this is wisdom that's not producing disorder or vile practices that wisdom apart from God produces. He says, it is gentle and it is open to reason. Now, pause right there for a moment. He says, open to reason. Uh, this is one of those times where if you read maybe a couple different translations, you're going to see that phrase open to reason translated a couple different ways. And, you know, when we read the Bible, like we can have confidence that the modern translation that we have, they are good translations. And we can be confident what we're reading is the word of God. But sometimes when you read across a couple different translations, you get a little bit more insight to what that phrase means. Because open to reason can carry it with this idea that you need to be open-minded to anything that may come across your path, anything that may come, in, come into your mind. You need to accept anything as truth. And again, that's wisdom from the world. What James is saying right here, when we need to be open to reason, if you read some other translations, they say, look, you, it, it'll, it'll have either the word submissive in there or the word obedient in there. And what it's saying is that when we get something from the word of God, when we understand his truth, we are open to godly reason and we submit our lives to it. Even if it's something that we've believed for 50 years, when we experience the truth from the word of God, we are open to godly reason and we change our behavior. We change our thinking because we are open to his reasoning, his thinking, his will and his ways. He says, look, the there should be progress in how much mercy you're showing. It should be fruitful, which means that, again, you should be impacting people around you, making disciples who make disciples. He says it should be impartial, really impartial, church, really impartial and loving people from every background. Again, all ethnic groups, all ages and stages, all economic statuses, we are impartial as we grow Closer to the Lord. He says it needs to be humble back in verse 13. That's meekness. Then we need to be humble, not prideful. Again, wanting to build our own platforms for our own glory, but instead pointing people to Christ. And he says it is to be sincere. That means authentic. And again, right now, are you being real? Are you being real or are you being fake? James says, look, when there is progress, when there is growth in your faith, it is leading to a faith that is more and more authentic. It's leading to a faith that's more and more real. Church, are you growing in any of these areas? Are you practicing any of these things that James lists off? You know, you've, you've heard this phrase said before, that practice makes Right. I want you to write that down on your notes, okay? Everyone has it written down? Practice makes perfect. Everyone have it written down. Raise your hand if you have it written down. Okay, everyone, okay, everyone. Some people, Caleb, you didn't raise your hand. Did you write it down? Okay, all right. 
Now scratch it out, okay? Scratch it out. Here's a better statement. Practice makes progress. As we practice these things, as we let the wisdom from above that is first pure, then peaceable, then merciful, then fruitful, then impartial, and it is sincere. As we let God grow these things in our lives, as we practice these things, man, God grows us closer to him. He grows us in this godly wisdom that makes a difference in our environments. I really want to challenge you. Look, we we don't have time to do this this morning, but I really want to challenge you sometime in the next 24 hours that you would take some time and go back and look over this passage today, verse 16 and 17. And you would just take some time to pray, God, search me. God, show me. Am I really growing in these things? Or God, do I need your help right now? There's some things I need to repent of. Do you need to change some things in me so I can make progress in my faith? I think many of you are going to see, you know what, I may not be quite yet where God wants me to be or maybe even where I thought I was. But man, because he is growing me, I'm not where I used to be. And God has been producing progress in my life because of his perfect wisdom. So the lie that we can believe is the wisdom from the world or the wisdom from within is primary. It's first, and we often do live that way. But see, the truth is wisdom from people is polluted. Apart from God, wisdom from people is actually producing disorder and vile practices. I mean, do we not see that in our world today? But see, the truth is the wisdom from God, it is perfect. God is omniscient. He knows everything, everything about you, everything about the outcome of what's going to happen in this world. But he also wants to produce this progress in our lives. So what's the choice? Here's the choice, church. We need to seek godly wisdom and we need to seek to make peace. We need to seek godly wisdom. This perfect wisdom from above needs to be the primary source that we use to filter every other piece of information. But we also need to put it into practice by being a people who make peace. Listen to what James says here again in verse 18. He says, look, if, if, as God gives us wisdom from above... And as you're making progress in your faith, as you let him grow these things in your life, he says there's a harvest of righteousness that is sown in peace by those who make peace. You know, as, we, as we've been going through this series, like we, we keep going back to the fact that James probably didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after the resurrection. He probably didn't believe that Jesus was the Savior until after Jesus rose from the dead. But I really do believe that James was listening to his older brother because it would seem like he's almost repeating here what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, where Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So James is saying, look, as God gives you his perfect wisdom, as he pours out his wisdom from above and as you allow him to make progress in your life, he's saying, look, this is leading to a harvest of righteousness that is sown in peace by those who make peace. He says, you are a peacemaker. 
And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, notice that right here, both Jesus and James are not saying to be a peacekeeper. It's a peacemaker. There's a difference. A peacekeeper compromises on their beliefs. They're willing to do whatever it takes to keep the peace or to save face or, again, to build their own platform, their own influence. But a peacemaker holds on to this wisdom from above. A peacemaker wants to bring godly peace into every single environment in their lives. Now, it doesn't mean, again, that you compromise what you believe in the Lord. In fact, you hold on to that because that is what ultimately brings peace between God and brings peace between people. In fact, the Apostle Paul would say it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, where he says, look, if it is possible, if possible, which means sometimes it's not. If possible, so far as it depends on you, don't lose what you believe about Christ. Live peaceably with all. Look, we need to seek godly wisdom. We need to seek to make peace. And I don't have this for you in your notes. I wanted to give you just a a couple of things, a couple of steps that we can do to be peacemakers in our environments, okay? And so I have a, a word I want to give you to think about in making peace, but also a question to see if you're really a peacemaker, seeking godly wisdom and seeking to make peace in your relationships, in the environments that God has you in. The first word is the word pray. And we need to be thinking, asking ourselves the question, look, am I constant in prayer? And again, church, at what point do you bring God into the equation? Prayer Yes, it is a last resort, but it's also the first resort. And there's something about when you choose to ask God for help in whatever moment you're in, bringing him into the equation as quickly as possible literally changes the atmosphere. And I've challenged you before as a church that when it comes to, when people ask you for prayer, or when there's something that you know needs to be prayed for, that we don't just say that we're going to pray about it, we actually do it. So when we're bringing in peace, prayer is a big deal. And you need to be praying for people, actually following through. And again, I want to push you a little bit more and actually to pray out loud for that person. But am I constant in prayer? Am I always looking to bring God into the equation of my life and to the environments that I'm in? The second word is encourage. And we need to ask ourselves the question, look, am I encouraging others. Dr. Tony Evans puts it this way. He says, look, whereas human wisdom tears others down, again, it's leading to evil practices and disorders. He says, this godly wisdom, this wisdom from above, it actually builds others up. It is authentic and leads to peace rather than strife. Church, are you encouraging others or are you burning them down with your words? And again, we need to be thinking about this in the three main areas of our lives, whether that's work or school, whether that's here in the church or right there in your home. Are you encouraging others? And then the next word is to admit. And the question is, look, am I admitting when I'm wrong? Before God and before people. 
And we said this last week that confession is good for the soul. And God wants to search our hearts. And if there's any sins that we're holding on to, we confess it to him. But we also need to confess when we have wronged somebody else. And then the next word is confess. Now, I know it's talking about admitting it, okay, but I need a C word to fit in here. The word is confess. And the question we need to ask is, am I confessing my constant need for Christ? Because this produces humility. It is so easy for us to become so self-sufficient and to think, you know what, God, we don't really need you. Unless we're in like the uttermost moments of despair. And yes, it is Great to come to God in those moments of despair, and he wants you to. But even on the mountaintop, when everything in life is good, we need to be constant in our need for Christ, confessing our need for him in every single situation. Being open-minded to him, submitting our lives to his reason, and again, his will and his ways. And then the last word is environment. Does my relationship with Christ make a difference in my environment? Again, does my presence actually bring in God's presence to situations that I'm in? Or am I bringing a little bit more pollution in in the things I'm doing and the things I'm saying? Does this progress that God wants to make in my heart, is it making a difference in the environments that God has put me in? Look at those words again. Pray, encourage, admit, confess, and environment. When we focus on these things, as God makes progress in our hearts, in our lives, it will bring peace. We will be the church that is full of peacemakers. As our worship team goes ahead and makes their way back up to the stage, I mean, I just want to challenge maybe the person who's sitting in here yet, and maybe you have not yet given your life to Christ. Man, I want you to know that peace begins with relationship with Jesus. And maybe you've had all this wisdom, you believe all this wisdom from elsewhere that is apart from Christ, but I, I, I know in your heart you see that it's only leading to more brokenness, it's only leading to more sin. See, the good news is, is that Jesus, who is God, loved you. And he came to this earth and he died on the cross to pay the price for your sin. And if you repent and believe in him, because he bodily rose from the dead, you will have life and have it to the full. That peace that maybe you've been searching for, looking for from the world, wisdom from everywhere else, that peace that you've been searching for is only found in a relationship with Christ. And for those of you who are sitting right here in this room today who have already trusted Christ, man, I want to challenge you, like, as we just take a moment and pray and sing one more song, what is it that you need to bring peace into right now? But also, are you growing in the wisdom that God has given you? Let's pray. Father God, again, we thank you for your word. And again, Lord, it is on time for us. God, we can so easily believe the lie that wisdom from within, God, wisdom from the world that's apart from you, Lord, that's primary. God, I know even this week, Lord, I was 
worried and concerned about something and I was asking people and going down all these different avenues, letting my thoughts roll over and roll over and roll over until you said, hey, are you going to take some time and pray about this? And God, thank you that when we do, God, when we bring in your wisdom, God, when we turn back to the one who produces wisdom that is first pure, it brings in this peace that transcends all understanding. God, I praise you for that. And I pray, God, today that those who are sitting out here in our church, God, that they would know the one that produces peace. But God, I pray that they would also be peacemakers. God, as you continue to grow in us, God, as you always provide a way, as you give us that wisdom from above, God, I pray that we would bring forth a harvest of righteousness that is sown in peace that causes us to make peace. God, help us to pray for others, to seek you first. God, help us to be a people who encourage, Lord, who admit when we're wrong, who confess our constant need for you. And Lord, in our environments, God, we make a difference because you are with us. Love you, God. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's stand and sing one more song.